Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Okay, I'm so glad that everyone's here with me and my friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hello. Hello. I love your little hello, like (laughs) signaling to the world. Hello, I am here. So today we're going to be talking about The Time Traveler's Wife. The Time Traveler's Wife is something that actually Adam and I connected on because we both harbor deep feelings of appreciation for the original novel. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to pronounce her name correctly, but it's Audrey Niffenegger. And then for the movie, which came out a billion years ago, it feels like, Mm -hmm. which we loved. Mm -hmm. And now here we are, and HBO Max has an episodic show of The Time Traveler's Wife, which really does not deviate very much in plot from the book or the film. Yeah. So which led both Adam and I to question, why is this happening? Right. Why are they, um, we can go more into that later, but I will, let's start off our analysis since this is an area about which, this is a fictional character that Adam and I know very well. Mm-hmm. This is Claire. So if you could, Adam, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about her symptoms and her, just a two-liner description of the situation if she were to, Become your patient. Okay, so even before, this will be interesting because we're going to do this before the premise, before we tell you, if you're listening, you probably know the premise of The Time Traveler's Wife. Yes, Uh, and we will be spoiling it all for you, yes. So as always, we we spoil things. But, you know, even without the premise of it uh, being explicitly said, she is a woman that spans multiple decades across the storyline who experiences uh, an acute lack of agency, feelings of despair, feelings of loneliness, feeling that she cannot count on the man that she's in love with over the span of decades from her very young childhood all the way into late adulthood and feelings of loss and the potential of loss looming over her. Okay. So what's, what would be her, what would be her treatment that you would prescribe for her? What would be her, I guess, so you describe her as a patient as what? As saying as saying that she's someone who 
I don't think she wrongly experiences these feelings. Like, in other words, when you descri- when you said it just now, I sort of got the vibe that she was in some way delusional. But like, this is all real, oh, right? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> she is being left fairly regularly, you know. And in in one point in the book and in the show, they make reference to the fact that you know, in the highly relatable situation in which your spouse is able to spontaneously travel through time, Mm -hmm. very relatable premise, that you feel a lot like one of those wives pacing the widow's walk on the top of your, your seaside home as you wait for your sea explorer captain husband to return from his voyages and quests. Right. So she's worried. You're, you're sort of getting at she's not only alone, but she's also worried. Like, where is he? What's he up to? What's going on wherever and whenever he is? And she knows that she that, that he's very often traveling to emotionally poignant places with her with the death of her of his mother when he was a little boy, with himself when he was a little boy, all kinds of convoluted, very interesting, psychiatrically, psychologically complex concepts at play here. And, and you made me feel bad a little bit before Adam that I huh? that I didn't sufficiently explain. So I so I will say that um, another relevant factor to her, in other words, I feel that she's legitimately worried because when he time travels. This is Henry that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. When Henry time travels, number one, you can't plan it. It's not like going into a machine, setting the date that you're going back to. It happens spontaneously. It happens when you're stressed out, kind of like a panic attack gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And you show up in wherever you end up. You show up naked Mm -hmm. because clothes don't have the ability to time travel. Right. So you're naked. You are running because people usually don't like a naked person just appearing out of nowhere, a naked man. I mean, I guess it depends on the context, but I'm saying generally as a general Mm -hmm. rule in life. And then he's doing dangerous things a lot because he's stealing in order to have clothes, in order to have money, in order to get by, and wherever he's been dropped, he's engaging in risky behavior. So I feel that all of her feelings of, of abandonment and not only that, but of fear... In other words, a lot of the times I get the sense that anxiety is something that is certainly triggered by circumstances, but also in part chemical. And here I feel like, I don't know what her chemistry is, but her circumstances are definitely anxiety producing circumstances. Yeah, that's super interesting because she, I I 100% agree with you. And so it's interesting that to me that we're looking at it from two different angles because we're landing at the same place, which is that all of these feelings are are totally warranted. And like she's she's in a completely un, you know, you, you can't even fathom going through your life that way. And she should be feeling all of these feelings. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that's true of a lot of people who seek out care. You know, people's lives are messy. They're they're challenging. They're, you know, no one. I, I want to just sort of be sort of blunt out uh, to anyone listening out here, out there. You know that if you're feeling like you, a lot of patients will sometimes sort of refer to feeling like they have it better than other people. Why do they feel this way? Almost a feeling of shame or guilt about feeling the way they are, or seeking help that they are. And my response to that is that no one's 
pain or difficulty going through life is worth any more or less than anyone else's, you know? And so she definitely, you know, there's not even a, as far as I can think, there's not a therapist in this story, but she would definitely benefit from having some place to talk about these things, talk through some of these concepts, because it can't be easy being married and in love since you were a little girl to a time traveler. So much to address there. (laughs) I feel though that I can't go any further without saying that Adam and I record these podcasts on Zoom and Adam is using one of the blurred background filters, but he's also wearing an olive green shirt. And because the blur of his background is also sort of the same, I am having the extremely weird sensation that Adam is in fact disappearing at different Mm. points because parts of Adam's torso vanish as we're talking. So I just need you to know where I'm coming from, that this is a very disorienting um, Yeah, I I turned that on just for this conversation. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. I enjoy it. Um, It's very atmospheric. (laughs) So, um, but what I'm saying, yes, and I think that you hit up the nail on the head. Every single person thinks to themselves, or I, okay, let me back up. I like to think that every single person thinks to themselves, well, I'm not going through like a genocide right now. So how can I be so consumed by my anxiety, depression, worries about X, Y, Z? Okay. But the flip side of that is that I think a lot of people, for them, what they're hoping that treatment will do is regardless of what the stressors are, Mm -hmm. that treatment will provide them with some guidance as to the tools that they can use to cope with those stressors. So what do you do when... I was joking that this is a relatable situation. It isn't. I mean, you can please feel free to DM Adam or I if um, (laughs) in the event that you find yourself in this situation where your spouse is time traveling. I just want to say my DMs are closed for that. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) I don't want to get dragged into that situation. Fine, fine, fine. Just just reach out to me because (laughs) as you can see, I'm super helpful. But what do you do? Like, what about a situation? Do you ever sit there as a therapist and think like, wow. That really is messed up. Like, I mean, messed up is judgmental. I don't mean that. But I mean, in other words, your situation actually is totally unique. Right. That's the thing that's totally relatable about even these super unrelatable circumstances is that what's what's left behind are these feelings of insecurity, right? Looming danger, right? There's this concept that comes across I think all three forms of the story, the book, the movie, the TV show, where he's never seen himself older than a certain age. Mm. So, and he he has visions of pools of blood at various points, sort of time traveling. And so he knows at some point there's going to be a very traumatic end to his story. So that's, in some ways, that's true of every single person on planet Earth. And in other ways... Uh, if you flip it around and you focus on his wife, Claire, she has that looming over her as well. She knows that their love story has an end date, you know, at least with them together in it. And so all of these things are super real. And I would say as a psychiatrist therapist, when you meet with a patient, absolutely, you look at their, you take at face value their experience of 
you know, life is messy. Life is hard. People die. People go through tragedy, trauma. All these things are are absolutely the case. And, you know, I think it would be the same for her if she showed up in the office. Uh, poor Claire. Poor Claire. But, but, but poor all of us, right? Because honestly, you know, all of us, yeah, it, we're, we're not as acutely aware, most of us, of the fact that Every life does come to an end. Most of us can brush that away and not think about it. But I will say that for me, and maybe this is revealing too much about me personally, a combination of COVID and various other factors have made me, as a parent of six kids, a much more anxious person than I ever was growing up because I frequently envision various disasters in a way that I could see where in Claire's fictional situation, where it's relatable, because you have that same feeling of impotence and that same feeling of there's only so much I can do. Right. What if one choice that I make, you know, the, the whole butterfly effect thing about which other films have been made. And so I, I think that for me, you know, there's, there's a whole discussion to be had here about anxiety, mm-hmm. which I would love to have. If I had to, if I had to, so I want to talk about anxiety. I want to talk about trauma. And I think the larger theme of Time Traveler's Wife, which is the extent to which do our experiences shape us or do we shape our experiences mm-hmm. and how they're inextricably interrelated one to the other. And the third part, unfortunately, because I really have no desire to be discussing this because it's an extremely uncomfortable topic, the topic of grooming, which I think comes into play because here, the I remember the first time that I read Time Traveler's Wife, this whole idea, for those who are not as aware, you have... It's very hard to, to really think about, and I find that my mind runs into a brick wall when I like try to parse this out, but Henry goes back in time regularly, but 152 times he goes back to see the childhood version of his wife, Claire. And in doing so, he never, he until she becomes of majority, there's never any sexual, overtly sexual contact between the two of them. But yet his presence, his repeated continuous presence shapes her view of what a relationship is, mm-hmm. of what sexuality is, and of what love is. So I want to talk about that too. And like, is that grooming? What what is grooming? Right. Uh, so and one of the pick you pick one of this wonderful <laughs> buffet, Adam, and yeah. go for it. One of the things that separates for me this time travel story from a lot of others, even others we've done on the podcast, is that this one really grabs onto this concept that there is a single timeline. No matter what you do, it's going to happen. So you can choose to get off that subway train and you'll end up right at the same restaurant you were always predestined to go to because it was always going to happen, right? You can try to change, you can try to warn your mother about a car accident that hasn't happened yet. And somehow it's not going to prevent her from having the car accident. So 
that's something that this story really hangs its hat on in a world where every other story in the, you know, in the multiverse right now seems to be, well, anything could happen and you can change things and you you're can gonna change You're going to get your, your Krugerrands back. Yeah, you're going to get your Krugerrands back. In this story, it's no matter what you do, Claire, you are going to marry this guy. And and then they flip it around and say, Henry, no matter what you do, actually you're going to meet her and start going back to her childhood home. And even if all you do is play checkers, she's going to fall in love with you, right? So what it does to us as a viewer in 2022 is very complicated because now in the modern era, honestly, like a different era than when even the book was written, we've all got our guard up for like things like, is this appropriate? You know, every every scenario that we're reading about watching, we're always thinking, is this appropriate? Okay, I can relax. It's not appropriate. All right, let me get my guard up. You know, right. And I'm going to throw in there the idea of I think that we're much more aware than we were even ten years ago of the role that disparate power dynamics mm. play in virtually every interaction, mm-hmm. but certainly within the context of in-depth relationships. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have an, like an easy answer on the, on the sort of um, topic of their, their faded love and how inappropriate the age gap is at times and how the causality of it, you know, like they almost try to say in the TV show anyway, they really make a point uh, through various diatribes that he delivers uh, of, of making a point that, you know, it's not anything that you can change and therefore you just sort of have to accept it. But again, that makes in the modern viewer's eyes, that's a very uncomfortable concept to get, to get uh, you know, by and sort of be okay with. Right. Um, it also doesn't really make sense. I mean, I, I'm up, I'm, I've always, I mean, I, I, I think that there are a few things that I don't really... I'm a pretty smart person, but there are a few things that I don't really have the bandwidth to really understand among them. Physics, football, no matter how many times it's explained to me, there's a part of Minecraft. There's a part of my brain that just shuts down when you start talking about those things and I go off somewhere else. And another one is time travel because it does it really make sense to me that you can't change anything. It really doesn't. It really doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that they're in this Mobius loop. I can't even get into this because this is so far like above my uh, intellectual level. But that being said, how do you think that a person who is in an abusive or inappropriate relationship would see the romance of right. this relationship watching this as a viewer of just the television show? Because um, let's, let's do that since this is... A TV. Theoretically a podcast. Podcast. Television show, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, no, I, it's hard to imagine watching it as potentially a victim of having, you know, if someone out there is, is watching it, having been groomed themselves in an inappropriate manner, like what... I, it's hard for me to really know what to say about that. It, it's a complicated thing that I really, I wonder if society has moved over the last however many years, 12, 15 years, whatever it might be, in such a way that we're now, you know, our our eyes are open to those dangers in a way that we weren't before. So I don't know. Does the show get away with it? Let me ask you, let me fra- frame it to you as a question. Right. I'm a psychiatrist. I can do that. I can answer a question. You can. Question. That's true. Jordana, that's, that's your whole MO. Does yeah. the show get away with it, in your opinion? So at the beginning of the show, I was very, I would put myself, first of all, there's no way that Claire Absher in this television show is six in the beginning of that show. I'm very well versed in children of young ages. The actress is clearly nine, possibly 10. (laughs) There's a very big cognitive difference between a nine or 10 year old and a six year old. Not that grooming is okay in either context, but I'm simply saying your ability to interact with people and understand things just based on the seven conversations I had with my own soon to be seven year old this morning about socks and how we put them on. So yeah, anyway, so I, okay. So do I think that it worked? So at the beginning of the show, I was, I don't want to say I was taking kicking and screaming into the show because I do, as I said before, love the book. I love the movie before it. But I would say that I found a lot objectionable about this particular depiction. What I think, uh, I'm going to turn it around and kind of not really answer your question because I think that what they do right, I haven't really gotten my mind around the adult Henry, girl, Claire piece mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. I would say that what they do do right in a way that not, not the book, but the, the previous movie I don't mm-hmm. really remember doing is they really go into how difficult it is for partners to know one another. Mm-hmm. Even when you've had this repeated and weird overlap of circumstances, right? I mean, like none of us have seen our partners as little kid, I mean, right. Uh, that's going to be a blanket assumption and implicit value judgment that I'm going to make there, unless you yourself were a younger. In other words, what I'm trying to say is nobody has traveled back in time to see their partner in a younger context. I think I think that's a safe generalization. Yeah, not to our knowledge. Uh, again, hit my DMs up if, if that's <laughs> different. But I think that they do a very good job of how. There are different levels of knowing a person. Mm-hmm. One of them is circumstantially based. You know what they drink. You know that they prefer more napkins when they have an ice cream cone. All mm. these little random details. So there's that. Then there's the knowledge of their history, mm-hmm. of everything that came before you, mm-hmm. um, which in some ways Henry and Claire have, and in some ways they don't. And then there's the unfathomable part where it's what you as a human choose to reveal to your partner. And there's some things that you choose to keep to yourself. I think that Henry would assume that he knew Claire completely. Mm -hmm. 
Claire, there's a there's and I apologize and want to warn people that this is a, there's a very emotionally difficult scene in which Claire Claire talks about having been abused and raped by a teen peer. And so, but she does not tell Henry that she's been raped. So I'm sure he feels he knows her, you know, A to Z. And she chose not to reveal that to him because that was her way of of deciding on the trajectory of going forward because she was like, he would view me as one way if he knew that, I I guess implicit in the idea is that she wasn't a virgin, that he wasn't her only person, but I didn't really feel that that was central. I thought it was more if he knew that she had been abused and harmed to that extent. Right, Um, and and in addition, they flipped it around, and by her not telling him that piece of information, A, it gives her agency like she never has in the rest of their relationship, and B, it it makes that relationship a safe space where the trauma, she can live her life as though the trauma hasn't happened. Is now, that the advice that you would give no, her if she were your uh, patient? Right. No, so tell no. tell me about the difference about how the ways that uh, patients choose to, and you know, they develop, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Coping mechanisms is yeah. the phrase. So how they develop coping mechanisms yeah. that maybe are different from ones that you would recommend or that you would might think would be more healthy for them. Right. So, you know, I'm going to speak in broad generalities and, yes, you know, of course, of course we always... Uh, say that, you know, this isn't a medical psychiatric podcast, but, you know, generally speaking, uh, when you're dealing with trauma, a big part of healing is processing the trauma and sharing in that with the people that you know and trust and love, sharing in what you are comfortable sharing, being able to experience it yourself in a way that no longer is dangerous, right? So the natural inclination that many victims of trauma experience is to push it down, push it away, avoid even thinking about it. And very often it finds a way to manifest, right? Whether that be through hypervigilance, reenacting, reenactment, nightmares, all kinds of different symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder start to come out. Um, again, I'm making vast generalizations, but generally speaking, I think you can say that they the way they framed it in the show is is probably not the therapeutic manner that we would advise uh, patients who have been the victim of, of rape by hiding it from the person you love. Now that's, you know, we're getting into the deep water here in terms of yeah. beyond yeah. my expertise and, and you know, every, every individual person experiences trauma differently. And so yes. that's, those are all those a million, million disclaimers, but I want to circle all the way back to a, a topic yes. you brought up, which was anxiety. Yes. So Claire, the fuel for all of us, that gives us anxiety. Anxiety is an adaptive, you know, sort of uh, evolutionary feature that we have to protect us, right? The fuel that that keeps it going is uncertainty. And there's nothing more uncertain than when your partner will literally physically disappear at any moment, especially at emotionally (laughs) heightened moments, like (laughs) right right before your wedding or, you know, right when you need them the most, that they might literally disappear and and but ju- but just a, a note that even though that might not be particularly relatable many of us do have i'm sure partners 
or friends in our lives who at those potent moments do check out. Maybe they don't leave a pile of clothes and a poof of smoke on, you know, at their seat, but they do kind of, you know, whether they check out by over-intellectualizing the situation to the point of distancing themselves Mm -hmm. from their emotions, but checking out is, is a real thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's something that I think we can all relate to is will our, you know, partner, will our loved ones be there for us consistently? Can we count on someone even at the, at a friendship level? Can I count on that person or is it more of like a superficial thing? Now, you know, she loves, they, they, Henry and Claire obviously love each other, but it doesn't change the dynamic, right? He, there's nothing they can do to stop this from happening, at least at the point in the show that we're at. You know, as they're sort of designing this show, it's clear what there are certain parts of the story they're sort of saving potentially mm. for a second season, you know, <laughs> that, that the, the the movie, the book sort of got into with more oomph, I would say. Mm. But where the show is, it's sort of like, can these two find satisfaction in this relationship with what it, with its deficits? That's my opinion, is that it sort of asks the question, all right, these things are here for these two people. There's the uncertainty. There's the possibility that he'll disappear. There's the possibility that he'll die at any moment when he turns age, whatever it is, 43. Can they... Can their love actually survive that? And is it worthwhile? That's the other sort of question that they pose, I think, is... And, and even if it's not worthwhile, can they do anything to stop it? Do they have any agency in their own lives? You know what's so funny? I was thinking about how you talked about how uncertainty is a fuel for anxiety. <laughs> and it's so funny because we live in an era where we're doing our damnedest to fight uncertainty. We're afraid of not knowing what the time is. So we have a watch and a phone and all of these, you know, the little screen, uh, the clock in the corner of the screen. And I was thinking how as a parent, you know, a lot of parents, I I do not, but a lot of parents do Life 360 where they Mm. can follow where their kid is at any given time. And maybe I'll revisit my view on that in the future. But I feel that for the time being, it seems, (laughs) I'm not sure that that would give that that gives me that that kind of quote unquote certainty is a bomb for the anxiety either. No, in fact, and I'll just, you know, I always love and hate when I get to put on my professorial hat. I love it. I'm going to do it. I'm going (laughs) to do do it it because when I uh, trained the idea that came across and, and really stuck with me about anxiety is that the treatment for anxiety disorders is to become more comfortable with uncertainty. It's not to squish down the uncertainty and to solve the uncertainty, right? Right. So there's for every source of anxiety, there's an approach behavior and there's an avoidance behavior. And if you're anxious about not knowing what time it is, as just as the example that you brought up, mm-hmm. checking your watch it seems like solving the problem. In fact, it's an avoidance behavior because you're avoiding that feeling of not knowing what time it is, mm. right? So for, for uh, you know, the idea is to approach the anxiety. If I were going to work with Claire in some kind of therapy, we're moving to mm-hmm. the treatment section of our podcast. If I were going <laughs> <Yes. laughs> to were going ding, ding, to ding. work with Claire on the couch, I would actually work with her on acceptance in terms of the uh, the situation is what it is. They've come this far. They're in this committed relationship. How does she 
have agency in the parts of her life that she can, right? So she's an artist. This is a way of having agency. She can make any artwork that she wants to, right? She, uh, you know, I think in the in the book, in the movie anyway, they have a family. That is a part of her life that she can have agency in that is outside the scope of just the marriage, right? Her relationship with Henry. So how do you maximize those senses of agency and also maximize the acceptance of the things that you cannot control? Doing those things is the fastest, most effective way, I think, in reducing anxiety. It's the, it's the approach behavior that lets the anxiety sort of dissipate all by itself. So that, that's my, my two-line treatment option for Claire at this moment. I like it. Okay. Anyway, looking forward to seeing everybody next week. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Okay, bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.